witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts 1.8. This falls right in line with what Jesus had told the apostles, had told the, the disciples. And He had told them to go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16.15 and 16. Similarly in Matthew 28.18 and there are other passages as well. Luke 24 and John 21 all include the Great Commission. But when you think about the book of Acts, the church was established just as it was prophesied, Acts chapter 2. We looked at that in our VBS, and we've looked at that in other recent times in our Wednesday night summer series. And you think about how the gospel was spreading, and you think about how people were obeying the gospel by just large numbers Not to say that most people were obeying the gospel, but many people were. There were a lot of people who were. And you think about the spread of that gospel, and you think about how that's really what the book of Acts is recording. The book of Acts is a record of not only the establishment of the church, but it's a record of the answer to the question, what must I do to be saved? That question is answered repetitively and emphatically in the book of Acts. You think about how many times you read about a soul being added to the Lord's church. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Notice that word daily. Acts 2.47 does not only refer to the day of Pentecost when people are obeying the gospel that day. It includes that day. But it also includes every other day that people obey the gospel and they are added to the church. That's what that's saying. And so the gospel is continued, was continuing to be spread throughout the world in the book of Acts, and that's what you have is the record of the establishment of the church and the record of the answer to that question, what must I do to be saved? And the, the record of the spreading of the gospel throughout the world. Now you'll remember as that gospel spread, eventually even Paul himself obeyed the gospel. The one who was on the road to, to destroy the church the one who was bent on the path of destruction for the church. Acts 7 and Acts 8, you see the young man there at whose feet they laid their clothes as they stoned Stephen. That was Saul, also known as Paul. You see how he had letters and he was going around and gathering people for their punishment because of their Christianity, because of the fact that they had obeyed the gospel. This same Paul was approached by Christ himself on the road to Damascus and was told to go to Damascus and there he would be told what he must do to be saved. And you'll remember how Ananias said in Acts 22.16, And now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so Paul obeyed the gospel. This same Paul, he went about doing several Well, he went about doing uh, missionary work, preaching the gospel to the world around him. You know, three very significant and particular uh, missionary journeys that are recorded in the book book of Acts. But I want you to think about the time where he had he had gone to Jerusalem as he had wanted to for some time, and he went to Jerusalem, and there at Jerusalem he preached that same gospel at perhaps one of the hottest, as in unfriendly, environments that you could have. But he preached the gospel there and he was beaten for preaching the gospel there at Jerusalem. And you remember how the chief captain Lysias uh, came upon him and delivered him from his riotous aggressors. 
And that eventually, chief, the chief captain Lysias sent him to Caesarea where he was going to stand trial before Felix. And that's where I want us to center our attention this morning is Paul's preaching of the Gospel to Felix. Chief Captain Lysia sent him to Caesarea where Felix hears him, and I want us to look at that. So take a look at Acts chapter 24, and I want you to notice the reading here. Acts 24, beginning in verse 24. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Acts 24, beginning in verse 24. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul back. I just want to share a couple of quick thoughts with us this morning and two, two main ideas. Number one, Paul's message to Felix. And then number two, Felix's response. And I think there's a lot that the Scriptures teach us here from this text regarding these two things. Take a look at what Paul preached to Felix. Whenever the text says for us, after certain days Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Sometimes we have that phrase, the faith found in the New Testament. Not always, but sometimes, right? You have the faith. Well, what is the faith? The faith is the system that is the gospel. The faith is the New Testament. It's the system that includes the New Testament. It is the New Testament. It's the system that includes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's the system. It's what Jesus came and delivered, the new covenant. It's the faith. It is the system that we obey whenever we submit to the teaching of the gospel. The faith. I want you to think about a couple of passages. Take a look in the same book, Acts chapter 13. You remember how one of those aforementioned missionary journeys so chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted on, and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salinas, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. Notice this. A false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Notice what he wants to hear, the word of God. Then, <clears throat> excuse me, but Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them. Notice this, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. What were they preaching there? The word of God. What was the deputy seeking to turn them away from? The faith. Or the sorcerer was seeking to turn them away, turn away the deputy from the faith. And so, the faith, it's the Word of God. It's God's message that He sent through Christ. 
Look at Romans chapter 1. When you think about the book of Romans, you should, it, it helps to think about it as, a, as a, a, treaty, a treatise on righteousness, on justification. And it helps, it helps my mind to think about the book of Romans starting in chapter 1 and, and then ending in chapter 16 like this. Chapter 1 verse 5 says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Notice that. And then if you look all the way to the end in Romans chapter 16 verses 25 and 26, you see, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. All these are phrases that talk about the faith, by the way which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the Scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations, Abrahamic promise there, through Christ, for the obedience of faith. That's the personal faith. That's what a person does when they hear the faith. The system is preached. The person believes it. Romans 1.5, the system is preached. Romans 16.25 and 26, the person believes it. Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then one final passage when we think about the faith. There are several other mentioned in the New Testament, but I'm just calling these few to our attention. Jude 3. You remember how Jude 3, when he says, When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. It's the system. The faith. That's what Paul was preaching to Felix. The faith. Well, when you preach the faith, what do you preach? Well, look what Paul preached on this occasion. Look at verse 25. And as, back in Acts 24, Acts 24, 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. So we'll leave Felix's response alone for the moment, but I want you to pay special attention. Whenever he preached the faith, verse 24, what is he talking about, verse 25? Well, he's reasoning about these few things. He's reasoning about righteousness. He's reasoning about temperance. And he's reasoning about judgment to come. Think about how those three things work together. Righteousness, it's, it's the way I, it talks about the way a person should be, the way they are in an acceptable state with God. When we look back at the book of Romans, that's what the gospel does, is it makes us acceptable with God. It makes us just as if I'd never sinned, Romans 1, 16 and 17. That, it refers back to a, a prophecy in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. That's what Paul was quoting there when he said, that is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Because, again, remember the book ends in Romans. The person, Romans 16, 25 to 26, obeys the system, Romans 1, 5. That's what faith is. It's what obeys the Word of God, the system that He set forth in the Gospel, the New Testament. So Paul is preaching, and he's preaching of righteousness. What must I do to be saved? How, do I, how am I right in God's sight? Not only how do I become right in God's sight, but how do I stay right in God's sight? How do I live as I ought to live? Righteousness. So you think about that idea. Go back to Acts 13. The same passage that we looked at a moment ago, whenever you have 
the sorcerer seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So verse 8, But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood him, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. That's what he was being when he's trying to turn away the deputy from the faith. He's being an enemy of righteousness. But notice this. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? There's righteousness. The right ways of the Lord. It's what God would have us to do. It's how He's revealed the plan for us to follow. The right ways of the Lord. So, and then as we go back, let's focus in on Romans again for a moment. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Very familiar passage, as we've already noted here. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice this, verse 17. For therein, in where? In the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, that's a passage from Habakkuk 2.4. God, God is through Paul is reminding us of a passage in Habakkuk 2, verse 4. He's quoting here, the just shall live by faith. So you think about that. Well, what is, where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's no accident that that's in this same book. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is telling us faith comes from the Word of God. You can't have faith if you can't base it upon a Word from God. You're basing whatever you believe on something else, that's not faith. That's not biblical faith. That's a belief you have, but it's not biblical faith. It's a thought you have, but it's not biblical faith. It may be something you like, but it's not biblical faith. It may even be something that you're very fond of, but it's not biblical faith if you can't base it foursquare on the Word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So He's reasoning with them of righteousness, and that's what the book of Romans is telling us about. How am I going to be made righteous in God's sight? Well, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to live by faith. You know, Habakkuk said, and Paul, doesn't, Paul does not explicitly record everything that Habakkuk said in chapter 2, verse 4. He merely references it so that their minds would go back to it and refer and go to it. And they, many of them, no doubt, no doubt, many of his readers would have no doubt known it anyway. But when he says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. I want you to notice that contrast. You've got one person he's describing there as his soul is lifted up. Well, who's the person whose soul is lifted up? Well, in that verse he says, is not upright. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. His soul in him is not upright. So the lifted up person, the, the vaunted, the, the proud, the arrogant, the one that says, I don't have to do it God's way, I can do it my way. His soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But then on the contrary side, but the just, the just ones, the people who are just, the individual that is just, 
shall live by his faith. So there's that are those the ones that are vaunted up, magnifying self, magnifying self will, not listening to God, not doing what God has said, doing what I want, the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because I like it, because I have loved ones that do it, whatever the reason is. His soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's what the just people do. They live by their faith. They listen to what God's Word says and they do it. It's the difference between Cain and Abel. If thou doest well, Cain, shalt thou not be accepted? Did he listen? No. He went on and killed his brother. But his brother had by faith offered unto God. It's how Noah was saved. By faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Hebrews 11.7 Faith is what saves because faith is what listens to and responds with obedience to the will of God. <clears throat> I want you to think about how in Romans 6, Know you not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered, being then made free from sin. They, became, they had become the servants of righteousness. Romans 6, 16-18. So he reasoned with, the, with Felix of righteousness, that, conditional, that condition that's acceptable to God, but also of temperance. So righteousness, how do I become right with God? And can even be the idea of continuing to remain in that relationship. But temperance is related to that continuing in that relationship with God. Temperance is literally self-control. You think about how we're designed as individuals. We're designed with certain uh, desires. We're designed with certain uh, innate drives. I'm not talking about anything sinful, so be, be mindful of that. I'm not saying that we're designed to be sinful, not at all. I'm saying we're designed with, with drives to do things. And I'm not going to go into all those drives right now, but you have a plenty idea of what those are, and they cover all kinds of things. And those drives can be used for our good whenever they're channeled in the right ways. But those drives, whenever they're not channeled in the right ways, when they're not controlled self-control, right, they can be used for bad, and they are bad. In other words, we're, we're making bad of them. So he reasoned with, them, with him of righteousness and temperance. So you think about temperance as self-control. Take a look at Galatians 5. In Galatians chapter 5, you remember how... Paul wrote there about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, beginning in chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, when I, like I said, there are drives we have, and whenever we use them the right way, it's good. When we use them the wrong way, it produces problems. And here's a list of those problems. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And now on the other side, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. He reasoned with Felix about self-control. Keep that in mind when we look at Felix's response here momentarily. He reasoned with Felix about self-control. He said, he talked to him about righteousness. And he talked to him about self-control. But then he talked to him about judgment to come. Think about how those three work together. Here's what you've got to do to be right in God's sight and to help you remain right in God's sight. And one of the things that you're going to have to pay special attention to as you try to remain right in God's sight is self-control. And guess what? All those things, those two things put together in the harmony of the Scriptures lead you to be prepared for the judgment to come. But the lack of paying attention to those things, you won't be prepared for the judgment to come. So Paul was helping Felix understand what it took to be prepared for the judgment to come. Just like God wants us to be prepared for the judgment to come. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. John 12, 48. In that same book earlier on, He said, Marvel not at this. John 5, 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. The hour is coming. Think about that. The hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. Everybody's going to be resurrected who has passed away. Everybody. Not a single person that has passed away. Save for Jesus Himself, because He's already resurrected in the right hand, right? But every person who's passed away is going to come forth. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Notice that. There's, the judgment is listed there. Doesn't it? Explicitly state the word judgment, but it says, they that have done good under the resurrection of life, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I want you to think about what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12, especially as we start to transition into Felix's response. In Ecclesiastes 12, Solomon said, now here's, now here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. There's a judgment to come. Our responsibility is to fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. Our responsibility is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves, Matthew 22, 36-40. Our responsibility is to practice temperance, to be righteous, to be ready for that judgment to come. But I want you to take special note of Felix's 
response. The things that are said here in Acts 24, verses 26 and 27, about Felix's response, and even 25 through 27, I should say, as he reasoned to righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Well, that's good, right? Felix trembled and answered. Listen to Felix's answer. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Let's just stop there for a moment. Felix trembled when he heard Paul reason about righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come. On the surface, we might think, you know, that's a good response. He's he's trembling. He's fearful. He's that 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 sounds like good seed or good soil for fearing God and keep his keeping his commandments. <clears throat> but I want you to remember what Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight. He says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's a difference in the two sides, if you will, that are mentioned there in Matthew 10, 28. The side that fears Him which is able to destroy the body, that Jesus says, don't fear Him. That's a concern for self, right? Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. He's telling His disciples explicitly, and it's applicable to us today, don't fear the man, the people, the powers that be that can kill the body. Don't fear that group, whomever they may be. But rather, fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, fear God and keep His commandments. And there's a difference there because sometimes people will want to bully you into, mistreat you into, abuse you into positions that you wouldn't want to necessarily hold. And if we're not founded and grounded in what we know is right, and if we're thinking too much about just self and the dangers that be, then we could perhaps buckle or fold in that situation. But anyway, the point is there's a big difference between the fear of that individual, fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And the dif- that, there's a great difference between that fear and the fear of God. And based on Felix's response, this isn't a fear for God like it ought to be. It's a fear for self. It's the fear of, I don't want to hear any more about this. I'm scared about what might happen to me one day, but not enough to change. Not enough to do anything about it right now. Not enough to say, I need to change. Not enough to say, I'm wrong. Not enough to say, I'm going to do something about it right now. Because listen to what he says. And listen to what's said about him. He says, go thy way for this time. When I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. But notice what else is said about him. He hoped also. Not only was it an inconvenient time, but he also hoped that money should have been given him of Paul. That he might loose him. He wanted a bribe. He wanted to be paid off. He liked money. 
That was his hope. That's a seriously terrible situation when money is your hope. He might loose that he might loosen. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener. Well, I've got convenient time to hear you whenever I feel like you could pay me. He sent for him the oftener and communed with him. And notice what he did otherwise. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So he's on the wrong side of that fear that he should have. This fear wasn't Proverbs 1-7 kind of fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This was a fear of of just self and fear of, of just death and fear of just not having what he wants. But notice that Felix had an inappropriate view of time and money. And those are two things with which all of us will wrangle in this life. And we will we have to deal with those two things to some degree or another, whether we like it or not. And it's a big point in our lives. How do we deal with those things? You see, Felix assumed he'd have more time. He said time was even based on whenever it was convenient for him. I'll call for you when I have a season. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Proverbs says, Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. As we mentioned earlier, 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We don't know when the Lord comes again. We don't know when we might die. Our life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away, James 4, 14. But Felix is confidently affirming, you go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee, do you? Are you going to have a convenient season, Felix? He wouldn't know that if he were asked at that time. He sounds a lot like the rich fool. You remember the rich fool? Take a look in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15, he said, Jesus says, Take heed therefore, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Here's a man who had a problem both with time and money, just like Felix. This man that Jesus is about to mention to us, he had a problem with time and money. Jesus had said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Well, what's covetousness? It's a love of... It's wanting something that's not yours in an inappropriate way. It's a, it's a desire for things and something. It, a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Listen to what Je, how Jesus is correcting the thinking. Look at verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. All right. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Notice all the mys in this statement. And the assurance. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, 
thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he. Notice that. So is he. This is how this a person who does this is like this. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Was Felix thinking about being rich toward God? No, he was thinking about getting a bribe from Paul for releasing him. Was Felix thinking that his soul might have been required of him that very night? No. He was saying, you go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. What about you and me? Am I putting it off till tomorrow? That is, being ready to meet God? Am I putting off things I know I need to do because uh, I'll do it later? i got better, more important things to do right now. i got stuff that's taking my time right now. Well, do we? Do we have things that are more important than being ready to meet God? You and I both know we don't. He reasoned with him righteousness, temperance, judgment to come. Felix responded with trembling. But Felix had no understanding of time and money, the way that he needed to understand them. He had no understanding of who God really is. So he's all... His mind is totally twisted in these concepts of time and money. You think about what Jesus said, Matthew 24, 35 and following, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My Word shall not pass away. He had just got done talking about how that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. But he's now saying, but you know something that's not going to pass away? My word. He said, not only is Jerusalem going to pass away, be destroyed, but heaven and earth are going to pass away one day. But my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows when the Lord comes again. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how, much our, how long our lives will last within time. But I want you to think about Felix's relationship with money as we draw this to the close. You know, Felix not only... You know, loving money isn't... You've got to really understand what that means. People don't love the paper. People don't love the digital money. They don't love the, the money itself, right? It's not a dollar bill that somebody's in love with, although they almost are. It's what it does for them. What can I do with it? I want it because I love what it gives me. I love the power. I love the... the the sin I can get myself into with it. That's what people love. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, 1 Timothy 6.10. Felix here, he wants money. He wants money because he, so he can let Paul go. He's like, I'll let you go if you give me a little money there, Paul. Why? Because he loves what comes with the money. He loves the power. He loves the feelings he has. He loves the security he feels like he has by having a lot of money. Whatever the thing is that he loves about that money, he loves it. It was his hope. But that, I, that attitude and mindset is, 
is demonstrated again, because think about what he did whenever, whenever Festus came in. You see, he had an opportunity there, kind of his last opportunity to let Paul go, but he didn't. He kept him bound underneath Festus, but notice the reasoning. He wanted to show the Jews a favor. He's a respecter of persons. He is a person that says, I'll do this for you because I want the prominence. I want the good that I'm going to get. I'm going to, I'm going to reap something from doing this for you and I want that thing. See, that's the fear he had. It was only about self-preservation. It wasn't about for God. It wasn't about I'm truly in awe of God and what He's done and who He is and what He will do. Felix trembled because he was concerned for self. Let me ask you, the faith has been made available to you and me to obey. If we will obey that faith, we can just like those on the day of Pentecost, just like Paul whenever Ananias preached unto him, just like every other person that heard the gospel of Christ that we have record of, that whenever they obeyed it, their sins were forgiven. Just like those people. You and I can do that. We can obey the gospel of Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. We can obey that message and have the salvation that there is from sin. Maybe we've done that. Maybe we're no longer walking in that way of self-control, that way of temperance, that way of righteousness, that way of the light. We can come back and make that right if we need to. If we can help you, please come while we stand and while we sing. All things are ready. Come to the feet. Come for the table now is ready. Come while we wait to welcome.